Hello and welcome to the award-winning Canine Hoopers World podcast. Everyone's invited. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of season four of Canine Hoopers World the podcast. Today um, we're probably going to talk shepherds a little bit maybe spaniels and probably some scent work is the guest for this episode and I would like to introduce you to the wonderful Kat. Kat, hello, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Um, Thank you for having me on the podcast. You are very welcome. So Kat, for people who don't know you, who are you, what do you do? Well, I I think mainly I'm a dog trainer. I would, if I need to um, classify myself as something, um, I currently I train mostly teach scent detection when it comes to training um I do some behavior work as well but try to avoid it um <laughs> at all costs <laughs> I used to do quite a lot of it but um it is more emotionally draining and and time consuming so and I find more reinforcements myself in scent detection I find it kind of more easy and fun in that in that way even though it can be hard work uh, I also have next to my training side of things I also have um business where I have operation Japanese knotweed detection dogs so then with my dogs we go out and search for Japanese um knotweed in UK and uh, so yeah so that's pretty much the I think the most important things I would say um I do have a background in behavior and I'm very passionate about behavior um but I do prefer if possible working with working dogs and so I do like doing behavior when it's related to working dogs rather than pet dogs, if that makes sense. It's just it's it's just it's a little bit more fun, I think. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So I'm gonna jump straight in with this Japanese knotweed detection because um I've spoken to guests before on the podcast that do like conservation work and stuff, whereas like you kind of go, hang on, so a dog can find a plant. Now mm-hmm. Like we all know that different flowers smell <laughs> differently and things like that. So actually, when we look at kind of a plant like Japanese knotweed, that is really invasive and it's a pain. I remember um, years and years ago, um, one of the fields that I kept my horse in, we had it right at the bottom of the field and you just cannot get rid of it. It's just a pain. No, yeah. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, it was a field rented from the council. So it was down to them to maintain it. And guess what? They didn't. So I kind of know what it's like, but I find it so fascinating that you've trained a dog for that purpose. And it makes such perfect sense because obviously their their sense of smell and their olfactory system is amazing. But you wouldn't necessarily, you know, when you say detection dogs, people straight away go drugs, money, mm-hmm. explosives. Japanese not weird. <laughs> <laughs> why that how did you get into that and why that specifically because it's a niche but it's an amazing one Uh, well you know it's very simple to be honest not as exciting as you might think um (laughs) I wanted to do something with uh with my dog um I used to I stopped I I was working for this company in UK um on uh, free running explosive detection dogs so it's it's uh we just were doing this project and the project hasn't it wasn't successful so the company decided to stop and um a friend of mine suggested Japanese knotweed because I was kind of thinking oh what can I do you know I wanted to do something and then he said well why don't you look into Japanese knotweed um at that point I didn't even know what it looked like I I didn't know you know what it was so I started looking into it and thinking about it and was a little bit like "Mm, it's a plant you know it's not very exciting (laughs) uh potentially but yeah no I just kind of got into it and it became very passionate about the topic uh, but yeah, I kind of had to figure out on the go because like at that point, there was no Japanese knotweed detection dogs in UK at all. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there was um, there was I think one or two in Ireland, but that's it. There was none none in the UK. So so I ha- kind of had to figure it out how to train it. Uh, you know, with obviously talking to you know to other people in the industry and you know having brainstorming and stuff like that. But like the the general gist of it of how to do it, it had to be kind of trying as we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. So, I mean, do you travel sort of around the country doing it? Do you tend to be contracted to like big companies or if someone's got a problem with their garden, can they ring you up and be like, Kat, I think I've got to see my garden. Like, how does it work? Yeah, all of the above. So um, it's well, it's it's pretty much everywhere in the country. So we've been um, in kind of quite a lot of different locations and um, and it's it's either become it can be big companies and it can be individuals who are either bar- buying or selling a house. So, yeah, so it really genuinely can be anyone or a water company, um, you know, some something like, you know, something like that as well. So it does not necessarily be um, a private people or um, commercial companies it can be government related as well. OK, cool. So what dogs do you currently have residing with you? What are your um, I have a two Dutch Shepherds and uh, two Spaniels. I mean, as a combination, mm. um, are you mad? <laughs> <laughs> I never wanted to get spaniels. I never wanted to get spaniels. That was um, I love that. <laughs> I've listened to the same friend who suggested I do Japanese knotweed and to advise that in UK pointy-ear dogs like won't be perceived in right way in there by the general public for detection. Which I don't believe it's true right now. Like having more experience actually working the dogs in the field for for the the, the purpose I'm using them. Um, there is I don't think that it makes any difference at all. And so now looking like if, if I knew all of this, I probably wouldn't get a Spaniel. I love my Spaniels, but the only the reason I got the first Spaniels was purely, purely um, a business decision. It's it's a working dog. You yes, know. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We know that Spaniels are amazing, but it's really interesting because actually when I first got Dodge and was kind of working out what his path was going to be or what mm. our path was going to be together I remember speaking to a few friends that did scent detection was like mm. you know is there like an opening for like conservation stuff things like that and I got exactly the same answer mm. that a large German shepherd also this one's quite a barky spooky mm-hmm. one probably wasn't the face of mm. the company you wanted and actually yeah a spaniel or more mm. of a gun dog type would be more appropriate than mm. as you say a pointier dog which I find it really interesting, but I do think the perception of your your Belgians, your Dutch, your Germans, and your Swiss is that oh, they're they're security, they're, mm-hmm. they're guard dogs. That I mean, we joke that the police have the sniffy dogs and the bitey dogs. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that's kind of yeah. What it is, but I do think that the shepherds are kind of underutilized for the scent work stuff in this country. Mm-hmm. Which is great. Yeah, in UK specific, because you know, in other countries, we have them doing those jobs regularly like you know Dutch shepherds for example in Holland are used for detection and for scent detection very often so it's not a lot of explosive detection dogs in Holland will be Dutch shepherds military still uses them for you know for the so so I think it's yeah it's 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 more in the UK than other places um I do think that the personality and temperament is extremely important so um and I think that's why we could get away with it because Phoenix is a very like outgoing and confident dog so he doesn't make a sound in the car like he never barks Mm-hmm. He um he can whine when he's excited, but but he he never barks. He he never he's not um at all responsive to any and you know he's not um nervy in any way. So you know he we had for example situation where I was uh, we were not working. I was paying for a hotel, 
and I had to pay at the, at the bar. And um, and a, a drunk guy came up to us from behind and just hugged him while he when I left him in a state. He won't care. He he generally does not care if someone does that to him. So if he was if he was in any way reactive, or I felt like he could be intimidated by people, or you know act in any way, I would not you know try to use him for detection because I don't think that would be responsible for the breed as well. Yeah. So I, I do think you need to have a dog that is suitable personality wise. But that said, you also can have a, bite, a lab that might bite someone or, or you know, or, 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 or a spaniel that can be nervous around people. So I think it's, yeah. it's more important what the dog is like in, in ter- terms of their behavior. Um, but I can understand kind of where it come, can come from as well with there's a lot of unstable shepherds here. Yes. <laughs> so there's there's a lot of, you know, this it's it's well, you you probably have more, unfortunately, ones that are ner- nervously aggressive or reactive than ones that are um, kind of easygoing and stable. So I think that's obviously consideration as well from like a perspective of employers. Yeah. For that kind of work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the episode just prior to this one was mm-hmm. with um, Jenny Gould and we've literally spent the whole episode talking German Shepherds and yeah. temperament and all the rest of it. And I mean, in your kind of experience round dogs, like are you are you seeing that just the UK in general, we seem to have more kind of temperament issues with the dogs or do you think it's a wider spread kind of, what's your, and it's an opinion. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it depends on the breeds. So if I was looking for a gun dog breed, I would get one from UK because I think you have a great tradition of gun dogs. I would not get a Spaniel in any other country. Like, you know, I w- and I would go for a Spaniel that's from uh, people that go on the shoot that use them for that purpose i would and this is going to be probably very um uh, um maybe badly received but i will stand by that i would not get a spaniel for detection from anyone who breeds for agility no, i would not I, touch those I lines think that makes sense because agility spaniels are being bred to be fast super physium fast and yeah. that's and you don't want super physium fast for no, no so, i want steady yeah I, so of course, i think that's yeah that's perfectly yeah. So, <laughs> so for for yeah, for that purpose, I would go for dogs that are from specifically working parents mm-hmm. uh, on shoots because, like, those dogs do have to be and look for the steady ones and look the ones who you know who generally because they would hopefully have that work ethics. Yeah. Um. So, uh, but then if I was looking for to now to 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 buy a shepherd, um, because that was one of my things that I was worried that if I want another one, because I wanted another one for a while, that I won't be, I will have to go to Holland and live there for weeks until it's ready to travel. That, that literally was my plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, because, there are a few that I would get in the UK. There's, there's certain lines that I would potentially get the dogs from, but I think majority of them do not fit the, even like for me, um, a description of what the breed should be. They shouldn't be nervy, trigger happy dogs that are they're scared of everything be, you know, behind a corner. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are very different in Holland. Like the proper Dutch lines, uh, you know, used for for KMPV and stuff. If you find it the traditional old lines, they can be really, really nice dogs, really strong dogs, but not nervy. Yeah. Um, but I think people often get it wrong with both Malis and Dutch Shepherds uh, that they, you know, they go for very fast, intense dogs, and they breed those very fast, intense dogs with each other, and then they get a dog that is overreactive that cannot even function and but you know they look flashy as puppies but you know i i mean i'm not impressed by anyone who shows you know small puppies biting hanging off the sleeve and you know and jumping through hoops to do long scent because that's what mollies do that's that's, yeah. that's what they do you know show me control <laughs> and and that dog being stable and being able to function and think and think when you when you're around biting and stuff like that and that doesn't happen very often i don't think 
Yeah. So for kind of the listeners that don't know, because obviously I've just reeled off a load of different shepherds, um, <laughs> most people are familiar with the German type. And then <laughs> even more aware of like your Malinois because of films like John Wick and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Dutch. Now, here's a question. Dutch shepherd or Dutch herder? What is the correct? Shepherd. Her it, well, and yeah, again, in that unfortunately, UK people say herder. That just means shepherd in Dutch, like in Holland. Right. Okay. German shepherd will be also a herder. Will be Dauter herder, which means Dauter means German, and herder means right. shepherd. Okay. So all it is is a shepherd. So yeah. So no. So um, Hollandse herder, which again, it's Dutch shepherd if you translate it. Mm -hmm. Um. So probably they went to Holland and someone referred to you know to a shepherd as a shepherd. Um. And that's where it came from, I assume. But yeah, no. So, so it's not. It's just literally a translation of, uh, of the Dutch word that means shepherd. I mean, the Dutch are stripey. Is probably the easiest way to explain them. Mm -hmm. They're the stripey ones, and yeah, stunning. Um, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my best friends has got one, and I adore her. She's a sweetheart. Um, so you kind of, what do you feel like? Are they similar to like your Mallys and your Belgium Shepherds or are they kind of different still in their own category? Because we don't see, I mean, in the kind of more pet world side of things, we don't mm -hmm. tend to see many Dutch Shepherds coming through. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're seeing way too many Mallys, for my opinion, in mm -hmm. the pet world. It's like, please stop. Mm -hmm. now, thanks. Um, but even in Hoopers, I see Mallys, I see Germans. I haven't actually met a Dutch yet in the mm -hmm. Hoopers world. And I'm like, Come on, let's get more shepherds doing this sport. So, as someone that obviously has two and knows knows more about the breed, can you just kind of educate the listeners on what what makes them so awesome? Mm. Apart from the fact they look very pretty. Well, well, the thing is, I probably would rather that people think they're not awesome at all because I would rather people not get them. To be honest, because yeah, I think yeah. there already too many people are getting malice. Um. So, um, the the thing is, they are very if you really look at the lines and I'm not a breeder and I'm not, you know, someone who's very in, educated in lines, but if you look at their lines, a lot of times they won't be mixed. So you have Mali's put together with Dutch shepherds because we're mostly done for, you know, if you have two good dogs, mm -hmm. not a lot of people from like a working perspective will be, mm, I'm not going to put them together because one is Brindle, one is, you know, different color. So yeah. a lot of times they'll be just mixed. So if you, if it depends where you do have KC, no KC, uh, FCI, Dutch Shepherds and FCI Mali's, they're yeah. very different cattle of fish than uh, KMPB Dutch Shepherds, for example, and Mali's. Just like in Mali's, if you have, if you look at French lines, French ring, they will be different. So there will be a lot of variation in different lines of the of of the Belgian Shepherds and Dutch Shepherds. Mm -hmm. Um, and and that's something. So if someone was looking for one, I would rather look at the lines than the breed. So kind of look at what are the parents doing? What is the line known for? Is there consistency in the line rather than just, just the breed itself? Because, you know, they can be completely different dogs, even though they're the same breed in a way. So whether it's it's Dutch Shepherd or Mali. Um, so, yeah, so from that perspective, I don't think, and it, I know there's a lot of things kind of going on online where people feel, oh, you know, everyone is so, um, you think, oh, you know, you, no one deserves them as a breed. And I feel probably most people don't, <laughs> to be honest, because they're a lot of work. I don't think people, I really don't think, think people appreciate and realize how much work mm -hmm. both of those breeds are. They yeah. are not for faint-hearted. And you have to always, always be on top of your game, really, realistically. Even if you have a stable one, even if you have one that's, you know, well-trained, that dog needs training all the time. 
and and they're extremely fast you know they have the the, the responses are so fast so you have to be able to be faster than them in a way so what all i'm saying is that you need to put a lot of work in to have a good and well-trained dog yeah. um because if you don't give them a job to do they will find one <laughs> and you know it won't be one that it's um probably that you will appreciate it and you know they've they you know they have intensity they have tendency to for example you know find little dogs um as prey or you know like to you know chase things they love biting things because they're supposed to bite things mm. so there's there's just kind of a lot that goes into raising one and i feel like a lot of times people and this will probably sound as well quite extreme but i don't feel like if you had dogs for 20 years it doesn't mean you you you're not going to be ready necessary for one unless you really do your research and you'd probably change your mindset and approach because yeah. you have to be militant in their first at least first year of life like no uncontrollable interactions with other dogs no uncontrollable interactions with other people you're not going to get away with allowing strangers to touch your dog just randomly or other dogs approaching them running up to them not going to get away with letting them chase something it's going to come back and it's going to come back you know so yeah. I, f- I feel like it's not a dog that I don't think you can relax for the first year of their life and I think that's that applies to a lot of the it does. you know yeah. and I think this is the thing isn't it um because I I read a post earlier and it was literally saying you know um in fact was it it might have been your post actually saying about how you know you shouldn't be allowing German Shepherd puppies. Oh yeah, it was my post. Yeah. It was your post. There we go. Yeah, yeah, I, thought yeah. I suddenly was like, "Hang on, man!" I'm sure that was your post. Yeah, I read that post earlier. You know about how you don't want your Shepherd puppies mm-hmm. interacting with every single dog and all yeah. of this, all that. And I was like, "Yeah, I get that because mm-hmm. I was always really mindful with the dogs that Dodge was around, especially once he hit the adolescent stage, mm-hmm. and now he just does not interact with boys." Mm-hmm. But- no one needs that in their life ever. He's got select girlfriends that he plays with and he has a lovely time. But I noticed someone commented on that post, well, I disagree. And then went, but I've never had a shepherd. And it was like, <laughs> hand in head. I'm sorry, why Why are you putting your opinion on this post when you're not qualified for this opinion? Because that's like, you know me going oh well I had a cat once and now I know about all cats like I don't think people appreciate how different the different groups are in dogs Mm -hmm. you know I mean realistically you you know you've just said yourself I wouldn't have spaniels it's for work Mm -hmm. because you know I can honestly the gun dog group do nothing for me they're just not my bag Mm -hmm. you know um probably wouldn't have a hound either because again they're just yeah 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 whereas you know I like a pointy dog I like dogs with big fat heads and I like really cute little toy dogs those are the ones that make yes yeah oh yeah I'd like a bit that a little bit that Mm -hmm. one and it just really people really don't seem to understand that different breeds and different types like our different groups do need different considerations right they do yeah they do and I feel like the um yeah, so so like the person I commented, I've I've met this person. I met him in Holland, and because uh, it was one of the courses, he's a lovely person. Um, but as far as I know, I might be wrong. The dogs I knew he had it was Great Danes. Um, there are they were the lovely temperament, the loveliest temperament, but not comparable. I don't think in behavior to to shepherds. So I do, and that's why I said you know that I do actually disagree with with you know with him disagreeing with me, mm-hmm. um, because I thought it was important to actually you know do talk about it, and um. 
I yeah, it's it's and I I personally feel like it's easier it's easier to get have a shepherd first and then get a spaniel for example your life will be so easy you're going to be so relaxed and you'll be like oh my god what this is just so low maintenance i swear i swear anyone who has normally like especially the intense shepherds mm -hmm. and then gets an even working intense spaniel lovely it's nice it, what a great thing and i think that's why i probably will keep having cocker spaniels to some extent um is the fact that they're kind of like miniature mallies in a way in terms of the intensity because i really like intense dogs i really like dogs that have really strong work ethics and they always want to do something and they have this like love for life mm -hmm. and that's where they fit that you know so yeah. so in that way they they're nice um but i do think people who have uh gun dogs and then go to shepherds i think they will struggle because they will be i i remember i was teaching at a um this event and we had two mallies and I actually, and but most people had gun dogs and I actually had to, I went out of the, the, the building where we're doing searches and I spoke to all the people with, so yeah, it was a collie and two mallies. And I spoke to all the people with the gun dogs who were just hanging around with their dogs by the entrance. And I say, guys, like you, you need to give the space to the dogs. The dogs were not reactive, but they're not going to enjoy your lab in their face. But I feel like the people with just gun dogs, you will, if I only had those spaniels, I would, I would never have to think about it at all because at the end of the day, it's they don't really care that much. And this is the thing, isn't it? With your gun dog, like especially the Spaniels and stuff, you know, they're in close proximity to other Spaniels because they're on the shoot line and they're yes, waiting yeah. to either mm -hmm. flush something or pick something up. Mm -hmm. And they have to be cool with the other dogs around them. You know, yeah. they can't work and do their job effectively if they're going to be popping. Whereas our shepherds have been bred to work with the handler mm -hmm. and either herd sheep or herd people or control the situation in yes, some yeah. way it it's totally different it's apples and oranges you can't compare the two and actually I'm giggling as you're saying it because I started off with I grew up with collies and shepherds but the shepherds in the 80s were um <laughs> were very different to you know what I have now and also my it was my dad's dog dad was in charge of it mm. and it it was a working dog it stayed at the yard and it didn't come home it wasn't a house pet it stayed at the yard and it had a kennel and it did its thing whereas in kind of adult world started with a terrier then went to chihuahuas ended up with a bull breed and then got a shepherd and went wow okay um I'm now rethinking every life choice I've ever just made in the world because to be honest what the did I do <laughs> you know because he has taught me so many lessons and Munch our ball breed girl was very intense and she taught me all about driving stuff and I mean I she was good friends with a few people that had Mallies and stuff and they were like oh wow yeah her drive is like up here you know especially from sort of years one to four she was like do stuff do stuff do mm -hmm. stuff like all the time like okay where's the off switch on this dog somewhere please Whereas the intensity Dodge has is very different. And actually, once he's kind of worked, like today, I've done a bit of tracking with him. He did two tracks that I left for half an hour. And he was like, cool, I've done, done some work for the day, yeah. did some little weight practice and messing around doing some TikTok videos. And he was quite happy for the day. Mm -hmm. And now he'll be asleep. I understand that with him, that's, that's how really a shepherd should be. They can work, but then they can come home and switch off. And I don't think that people appreciate that the Dutch and the Malleys don't necessarily have that much reliable off switch. 
you need to teach them. You need you yes. need to teach them an off switch, and you do also have to teach them to spaniel. So that's where they're similar, very similar, uh, because people struggle with both breeds with that. Well, a lot of people do. Um, and yeah, so you do just need to teach them to switch off. Once you do, they they're fantastic. So all my dogs will be able to like actually all asleep now, but uh, they will be able to kind of, you know, work and then switch off. And sometimes, you know, sometimes they don't work because, you know, they're busy or whatever, or they're in a car all day because I'm working and I just pop them out for a bit and they're fine with that. Yeah. But I do spend quite a lot of time with the puppies uh, or dogs I get uh, teaching them to switch off. Yeah. Just, you know, I make sure they rest enough that they learn to to go to sleep. And I do crate train them when they're puppies. And I'm quite strict in terms of making sure they have, you know, like an hour of activity and then at least an hour of sleep. Yeah. So there's no being active for too long because that's what usually tends them tends to get them too over overexcited. Um, but then my goal is at home, they don't they they're not in crates, really. So, you know, I leave them if I go, for example, I pop out somewhere or leave them for a bit. They just free all together in the house. That's it. But we do start with a crate um, to kind of to teach them to because sometimes I feel like they struggle with um, any anything can be a stimulation. So I remember when Phoenix was little and uh, we, I lived in a small city um, apartment in Amsterdam with two other big dogs. Also, shepherd, there were shepherd crosses and uh, he would bother the other dogs to play with him when he was tired. So he would continuously bring them toys. And so if I ignored him, he, so I had to put him in a crate, but I had to put him in a crate that was empty because it was anything in that crate. He would play with that. Yeah. So, but then as soon as you put him in an empty crate, he just passed out because he was so tired. But without help, he would keep getting more. And then the the there's coping. So you have different coping strategies based on what the dogs were bred for. So mm-hmm. your shepherds will be mouthy when they're stressed because that's how they cope. Mm-hmm. So you know, or your spaniels will carry things or hunt. You know. So um. So yeah. So so that's something that you know keep in mind. The more mouthy your Mali or that shepherd is, probably the more tired and overwhelmed they are. Um, which, which you know, is again another issue people often talk about. Yeah, and I think it's something that kind of isn't like the amount of times. I mean, puppy biting in general. I don't think. I think the thing is, even if you've had four or five puppies, you seem to forget how bad <laughs> puppy biting yeah. can be. Because let's face it, it is. And also, I think with the shepherds, the teething just seems to be quite extreme. Like, mm-hmm. it seems to be more extreme than other posts. But as you say, they find biting reinforcing, and it is a coping mechanism. So they're teething and it's sore, but biting feels good. So I do feel that shepherd teething is potentially more traumatic than <laughs> other breeds. <laughs> it might be, to be fair. Might be, I was just, when you were talking, I actually, um, I don't remember... And I mean, my Spaniels are, the older one is three and the younger one is two mm-hmm. uh, or about to be two. I don't think they were mouthy at all when they were puppies. Not not even a tiny bit. They did play with the other dogs at home. They had toys, but they were not mouthy. Like, uh, I don't think at all whatsoever, but it might be my comparison to having shepherd puppies before. So it could be, I just... Like, oh no, the Spaniels were fine. I didn't bleed at all with them. No, exactly. Yeah, Maybe that there was mouthing, but because there was no blood, you just be like... Yeah, ah, yeah it didn't count. doesn't count, no. Yeah, it's not a tooth kiss unless there's blood drawn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that could be it, yes, potentially. Yeah. But I do think, and I, how do I phrase it? What do you think is kind of been the appeal of people getting Mallys as such? Because, yeah, you know, Dutch aren't so well known over here. And I think maybe it's people that are either in the know or do sports or do working and it's going to be specific sports you know I 
top of my head, I can't think really of any that do agility. I'm sure there's the odd one or two, but it's not like walking around an agility ground. I'll see a few Belgians probably because my mm. friend that competes and runs shows has Belgians, which is probably why I'm aware of them. I'll see a few Germans, you know, some dopes. Collies everywhere. <laughs> you know, Collie. Um, lots of working cockers now in the smaller groups. Mm-hmm. Don't, off the top of my head, I'm not thinking, yeah, I see a lot of stripy dogs on the showground because I don't think I do. Do you think it's more because they kind of are in the more sort of multidiscipline sports or do you think just they're a, they're a nice secret or people just have a bit more brain cells and go, yeah, we don't need one of those things. <laughs> no, I think there's loads of them in UK, but they're in the bite sports. Yeah, not not like IGP, not in the IGP, but in the bite sports that are, well, people just doing kind of bitey things with the dogs. So you will have actually quite a lot of them. They often will be mixed with Mali's. They will be mixed with Pressas. They will be mixed with Pitbulls. They will be mixed with Dobermans. And I think you you're just not aware. Can we just rewind? Why are we yeah. mixing them with Pressas? To get them more intense, bigger and, you know, intense yeah it's been going for years it's 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 um so we, what i think is interesting is probably not being aware of certain part of the world in the uk if that yeah. makes sense yeah, yeah so yeah. there is there's a lot of them um and but they mainly will be from that this kind of environment yeah and they will be crossed with a lot of just like malis are with a lot of different different breeds and um yeah so, so i think there's still you do have quite a lot of them in the police as well yeah uh, that, that i think my friend's one is a police bred one yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so so you will have you will have uh, some there as well, and they also will be bred here too. Um, so um, yeah, so I think they're they're just not as popular in um those kind of sports, I guess. You know, like hoopers or agility, probably mm-hmm. as well because you could, they don't really have papers here, do they? So you could have FCI ones, which are very different than the working ones in a way, and uh, so maybe that's why they're not as popular because people po- couldn't probably get as far in. Um, potentially you know in obedience and but you do have quite a lot of fci malis in uk but not that many fci dutch shepherds okay so that's interesting so i'm assuming from you saying that and this is something i actually wasn't aware of but now you've kind of mentioned it i'm like oh yeah pastoral group at crufts the strongest shepherds in that so they're not actually recognized over here as a brand. by kennel club no by fci yes so you can have an fci one in europe but not in kennel club no but also if you look at the the kennel club malis yeah. Your show line Mallies compared to your FCI Mallies. Yeah. They're a very different looking group. Yeah. And actually the temperaments are pretty different as well. Yes, yeah, yeah, it can be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just with like many other breeds, right? Like show cockers, <laughs> completely different, different breed than a working cocker, right? Like they're so far apart often. Yeah, um, I mean with yeah, Labradors, yeah. working lab, show lab. Yes, yeah. Like, I mean cocks is a great example. And also shepherds, you know, the yes, yeah. Working shepherd, show line shepherd. I think it's um Maybe that is part of the reason then that they're not as popular is because they're not recognised by our kennel club, which I genuinely, I hadn't even kind of put those pieces yeah. together. But now you say it, it makes sense that that... Yeah, you couldn't, for example, sorry, you couldn't, for example, go compete properly in IGP with one because you need dog with papers, don't you? Yeah. So, yeah. So, in, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, over here, you can, the dog can be on the activity register, which is yeah. what Dodge is. Dodge is registered on the activity mm-hmm. register because I don't have any KC papers for him because mm-hmm. I don't have any papers for him anyway. But, um, yeah, we had to do it on the activity register. So things like, you know, can I do, like, if it's a bit of bone contention because at the moment the Kennel Club doesn't have hoopers, but there's rumours they might try right. and 
some people are like, yay, kennel club hoopers, and other people are like, no, no. <laughs> but it would affect because if the kennel club took it in, there would be certain competitions that I wouldn't be able to enter Dodge in because he's not yes. paper, which really sucks. So that would explain mm -hmm. why certain sports they're not as popular in because you can't compete yeah. at the highest level. Yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? Like, you yeah. know, if you're looking for a dog for a certain sport, it makes sense to have one that you can go far with, uh, you know, if that's what you want to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. So obviously the, the Dutch are kind of, have you always had Dutch Shepherds or... No, no, I had always, um, I had all sorts of, I with my first dog was a giant schnauzer. Oh, so nice. that was my first dog that I got when I was um, eight, I think eight or seven from my parents. That was like, I loved, I, I always want to have a dog. So I kept bothering them for a dog and I just decided that was a good first dog for a child. What an amazing first dog to yeah. have because like so, just, yeah. so underrated as well. Like again, yes. this is another breed that people like, you always see the little mini ones. You don't yes, see the yeah. Actually, the big ones are very versatile, aren't they? They are. They are, and they're very more like they're not as barky as the little ones. You know, they're I not. Mean, no offense to schnauz people, but your dogs are loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, they are. They are. They just. But uh, no. So I, I had a my first dog was a giant schnauzer, and I absolutely loved her. Then she had puppies, but accidentally, um, half of the litter was uh, giant schnauzer, and half was uh, a German shepherd. Uh, well. German Shepherd Cross and Judge Nancy because our neighbor's dog jumped the fence when she was in the season. Um, even though we walked her on the lead. So it was, yeah, it was just an accident. And uh, we kept one puppy from that that litter that looked like a Doberman, to be honest. Okay. Yep. And uh, a little bit more like a dog. She had, you know, she didn't have cropped ears, obviously, but had a little bit of a beard, but she had that Doberman look. And then I just had, um, I had one terrier that I found in the street. And then I couldn't adopt it anywhere because uh, it was biting everyone. This <laughs> um, sounds familiar. I had one similar to that as well. Yeah, she lived. She lived till seventeen. <laughs> so yeah. she, she, we had her. We had her. We had her probably for about sixteen years because she was, you know, young when I found her. But I would never want to have a terrier again. It's not my type of dog. I don't have that sense of humor. I don't. I just. He, she killed our cat. You know, she wants to kill things. I, I, I don't want dogs. I want to kill things. Um, or ones that are. So I like dogs that are drivey, but I like dogs that are drivey and have a will to please. I know it's not always like very popular term to use, but you know, no, kind of your border collie. We yeah. can understand it. There's dogs that yeah. kind of go, I want to do stuff and I want to do it with you. Yes. And there's areas yeah. that just go, I just want to do stuff. Yeah, regardless if you're there or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, who cares if you're there? If I find something small and fluffy, I can kill it. Hurrah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I had one terrier um, that found in the street and, um, and then, then after that, a German Shepherd cross, um, and another German Shepherd cross, and then, and then Phoenix, who is the Dutch Shepherd, and then, um, and then, yeah, and then the Spaniels, really, and then another Dutch Shepherd, yeah. So you went yeah. Dutch, Spaniel, Spaniel, Dutch. Yes, yeah. Nice. yeah. <laughs> so you went. A little bit of hard work, easier, easier, back to hard work again. Yeah, it's, you know, but it's just, it's different kind of like, I I don't, um, the learning is different, if that makes sense. So the scent detection stuff, fine. Uh, either, either breed is fun. Uh, but in terms of anything else, I really enjoy working with shepherds, like obedience, things like that. Spaniel, I'm like, you're a little bit weird, you know, so they're fine. But it's a different, it's a different, I feel like when, um, I, ju I just feel like it's a different type of connection. So I have, I can absolutely love my Spaniels, but in terms of like training and learning uh, when it's not scent related, I'm a little bit like, mm, not my, not my type really. Mm -hmm. I feel though like 
the and I totally understand that because you know with the chihuahuas like mm. we we tried every single sport possible like you name it I've probably tried it with mm. a chihuahua at some point because I kind of had being honest a bit of a chip on my shoulder like well just because they're tiny they can still <laughs> yeah enough. um to the point where like I've still got little teeny tiny like bite bars and stuff oh, like God. that which to be honest would be a choke hazard for most puppies let alone, <laughs> like anything else so I can totally get the kind of the love for them and like how they get under your skin but the shepherd it's you and them as a team mm-hmm. and it is different isn't it Yes, it is different for me, like, because as again, and this is not to like, kind of make other breeds not as valuable, if that makes sense. But for my personality, yeah, for my personality, I feel like shepherds fit my personality well. Like, I feel like, and this is funny, like, when, um, when I, when I walk the shepherds, I feel like I'm in my element. And if I have a shepherd and a spaniel, that's fine. But when I'm only with the spaniels on my own, I'm just like, oh, no, like, I don't feel because people maybe will approach us and talk to us or be smile at me or something. And I just really don't like talking to strangers. And, <laughs> and I feel like with the Spaniels, I look more approachable. <laughs> so I'm like, no. Yeah. It is a true story. So from having like bull breeds where people would quite mm-hmm. often cross the road, avoid you, not come near you or walking two hours. It's a very different experience. And even walking the shepherd compared to the bull breed is a very different mm. because yeah even with you have other bull breed people that straight away go oh my god it's yes, yeah. and they want to come and say hi because they understand that they're cool mm. and they just want to smush and stuff whereas i find it interesting with shepherd people you get why well, i call the shepherd people that really understand that are like oh another shepherd all right and you mm-hmm. kind of nod to each other from a distance no one needs to look at each other <laughs> don't need any staring it's fine and then you've got the ones that are like oh yeah I've had shepherds and they approach you straight on <laughs> stick a limb towards them and you're like I'm sorry sir what are you doing <laughs> I saw your post as well um with um was it Fennec with the window cleaner that's- oh yes yeah 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 like- yeah I'm yeah. not gonna lie. As I was reading that, I was like, "Oh, Dodge would have just eaten." <laughs> yes, yeah, he's straight. As I said, I don't like with Leafy. Obviously, I would have to react. She wouldn't do. It. She's very. She just gets shy. That's it. Like so, you know. So I have to kind of to make sure. Like, oh, you know, she. But she's fine. Someone standing next to her, but she wouldn't want hands on cuddles. Yeah, but um, but Phoenix absolutely. He he generally doesn't doesn't mind. He loves playing tag with anyone. He'll play tag with anyone. And um, he he doesn't mind people. He's just people come up and stroke him all the time. Like it's, somehow he just gets this response from people and children. And you know, um, so yeah. So so has, and because he doesn't mind, I don't. You know, I kind of in that way I'm quite relaxed. And you know, if someone strokes him, it he doesn't. You know, he just doesn't care. Yeah, he <laughs> probably like people call. Yeah, and most of the time he just ignores them because he's just not really. You know, he's like, oh, fine, whatever. You know, can touch me. <laughs> kind of thing but but yeah most most dogs don't like it but what i found actually really upsetting after getting spaniels was i didn't realize how many people are rude when i didn't have spaniels because i found really interesting that when i walk with phoenix pretty much everyone will respect us you know people will if i you know if if well it will give us space which i love but also you know people are quite like mindful and polite and everything you walk with a spaniel and the same people. So not with me because I'm I can be really bitchy. <laughs> so I make sure that people, you know, don't don't. It's but... not being bitchy. It's called advocating for your dog. There you go. Um, like... <laughs> but uh, no, but what I found is like you know that people if they you know if they see a small dog or a spaniel, so or a small spaniel, any breed that they think oh you know it's not going to harm my dog, they they don't care. 
and that really really pisses me off the fact that you know you don't care that your dog might scare or bully or do anything you know to someone's other someone else's dog uh so in these situations you know i've i for example saw this lady with a lab uh, i was without the dogs actually i, I would have put money on it being a lab dog no, yeah of course yeah the fact. Of course, yeah. Um, but she didn't, and that's the kind of like, you know, that arrogance as well, because she's walking the dog on the road without even a collar on. And uh, I was walking behind her without my dogs. And um, the two ladies were walking, two small dogs, like a miniature schnauzer and something else on a lead next to them. And her lab crossed the road to come up, approach them. And she didn't even bother to grab him. She just said, sorry, sorry, and walked off. And I was like, <laughs> And I'm like, that's really intimidating for those dogs and just rude. Then I saw her, that was the first time I think she moved into the village. And then I saw her walking with Phoenix and I was like, that's going to be interesting. So we just look, the dog doesn't have a collar, doesn't have lead, anything. And I'm just walking with Phoenix. We're coming back from, so we're on the road. So he is on the lead. And I'm just walking and stuff. She saw us and oh my God, it was the funniest thing ever. She grabbed that dog by scruff and almost carried him, this big lap past us, holding him by the scruff. So go for it. And I was like, there you go. So you don't care about those little dogs you know, about their welfare. So it's, it's it's ridiculous. I've also walked another lady. I thought she's polite with a lab, then walked with a friend who is a cocker spaniel. We went training. And I had to pretty much grab that lab and hold it by collar to the owner came because she didn't care that it was hurting. Well, hurting with this lab, but running around the spaniel yeah, and making him un yeah, uncomfortable. And I'm like, I know this dog has a recall because I know I've seen you recall the dog. So when, you know, when I'm walking by shepherds, you can recall the dog. But when, you know, it's a small spaniel, you don't, just don't care. And that, I think that's even more upsetting than someone having a puppy that they let go of the lead. They didn't realize the puppy, you know, if that doesn't happen. I'm like, oh, it can happen, you know. So in that way, I'll just like stand and wait or whatever and, and stuff. But but it's the people that just don't care about other dogs uh, that were, that yeah, upset me. I used to get it a lot with the chihuahuas and the mm -hmm. times. I would literally just pick them up and then I'd get the, why are you picking them up? And I'm like because I don't want them injured. Oh, my yes. dog's friendly. Excuse me. Like, if treads on this dog, <laughs> it's going to cause an injury. You know, like, um, my chihuahuas are big in the realms of chihuahua, you know. <laughs> means it's five kilos, which is ginormous in chihuahua mm -hmm. world. Your 30-kilo Labrador or 40-kilo Labrador, or if it's general size, probably about 45 kilos, it's a bit mm -hmm. on the chest side, if that bangs into her or treads on her, it's oh. going to cause serious damage. So, and again, it is very interesting. Like with you saying it, I remember um, being out with Dodge one day and um, had hubby with me and this cockapoo appeared. No one. I was like, it's always cockapoo as well. <laughs> like, can you call your dog, please? And then this guy sort of appeared and sort of half up. And I went, can you call your dog, please? And you could tell he was just about to give me a mouthful. And then he looked up and saw the large shepherd attached to the large person and went oh, and then managed to get his dog back. And I was thinking, I guarantee if that had been either me on my own with Dodge or me with the like with the Chihuahua, he wouldn't have called his damn dog. And I would have no. probably got a mouthful from him. So yeah. I mean, again, is that a UK thing or is it like a post-pandemic thing globally? Like I, I think more it's people probably dogs yeah. with manners. <laughs> probably all of those in a way, but I do think it's worse in the UK. It's definitely worse in the UK than in Holland. In Holland, people are much more respectful, but also dogs are better socialized in a more natural way. So I remember I had a friend visiting from Ireland and we went for a walk in the park in Amsterdam with my dogs and we're just walking. And she's like, 
She's like, oh, did you, what did happen there? We walked on a small path and my dog went this way and another dog walked past. They even did, didn't even look at each other. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, we're just walking. And she's like, in UK, it would not happen that you just walk, you know, in a park off lead and dogs just ignore each other. <laughs> they but live that's normal there. Go, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah. But it's very normal. Yes, that's what it should be. That's what happens when you have well-socialized dogs in a, like a healthy way. And we had, you know, we had pit bulls. Pit bulls are legal in Holland. So we have like red-nosed pit bulls there on off lead doing well, you know, and, and stuff like that. So all sorts of different breeds and doing well because they had a chance to, I feel like, learn social skills in a good way rather than thinking, oh, we're just going to play like crazy with other dogs. And like, that's it. And I do feel like people are a little bit more entitled with dogs here, I feel sometimes, you know, in terms of, I've a lot of situations where people kind of, you know, say, oh, yeah, your dog can teach my dog something. You know, I don't care that it's making it uncomfortable kind of thing. So I do find it interesting. Yeah, I do. I do don't think it's very dog friendly. Do you find that happens more with the Spaniels than the Shepherds with people expecting your dog to tell their dog? No, it's shepherd, more with Shepherds. It happened ah, before. Okay. So, yeah. So I had a lot of situations where like someone would have like an adolescent male dog and I was like minding my own business and would let her run up to Phoenix. I was like in Dorset. I find people in Dorset very rude. So sorry for anyone from Dorset. <laughs> or quite a lot of people. In but Dorset also please do better if you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, old gentlemen, for example, would let their dog run up to us and pester Phoenix. And I was just getting Phoenix. We're just waiting. I, I thought he's going to come in and get him on the lead. And I said, yeah, I don't think he's going to enjoy your dog trying to like steal his toys off him. And and he was like, oh no no he yeah he can be a little bit rude with dogs so hopefully your dog can let teach him a lesson. And I, that happened quite a few times and I'm like no it's not my dog's job to teach your dogs a lesson plus I don't want my dog to feel like they should be in you know in any way like threatened by another dog I want him kind of feeling comfortable around other dogs yeah. But also allowing an adolescent male to run up to another male dog is just yeah. you're asking for a fight to kick off. Yes, it's absolutely. Yeah. Like. I mean, you don't really want any teenage dog running up to other dogs because they're just no, no. teenage. That is like the whole point of it. Mm -hmm. And that kind of circles back to your post earlier with, you know, saying for, for the first year you have a dog, you're very mindful of how they're interacting. Mm -hmm. And um, also actually Nick Benja put a post up either today or yesterday mm -hmm. or something about um, his little um, German chef puppy and how he's being mindful that, she isn't expecting to interact with every single no. dog because at the moment she's interacting with dogs that he knows, but he doesn't want her going to the park and going, all oh, the dogs in because we know that once they get to a certain age, mm -hmm. they start becoming mm -hmm. the fun place because that's what Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you've got shepherds that are herding every single dog. Yes, yeah, nipping as well. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think, see, I think like with, I was actually thinking about after making a post yesterday, I was thinking about like, you know, what are the things I feel like that go wrong often with, with shepherds? I think often what happens is they can be quite nervous. Well, because, you know, any dog can be a little bit insecure when they're puppies and they're overexposed because they're exposed in maybe not a shepherd appropriate way to other dogs. So they will have dogs in their space and they will communicate saying, oh, I don't like this, but no one will advocate for them. So they will remember it because they remember <laughs> and they get bigger and stronger and they would scare the dogs away because they worry right so often that happens or or they can become bullies because they can you know enjoy maybe as you said controlling the environment or they look at that as a coping strategy so they generally not and i will stand by that because i know that again the person you know said on that comment that they don't agree i will stand on that in general your your shepherd does not want to be in a busy dog park with dogs running up they'll be happy in a busy dog park with dogs minding their own business yeah. so they can interact with you and do their thing i mean 
my my shepherds love going on big uh, walks with other dogs that they know and I, I know and they're appropriate there's no but when we go on those walks my dogs pay attention to me other dogs pay attention to their person so it's almost like you know kind of because we have that engagement with the dogs and um but they're not they're not so like even though again phoenix is a dog that is very confident and in, in a lot of environments every environment really but i know he wouldn't enjoy going to like for example a really bu bu busy beach like you know he he would he would not enjoy if there was uh, if if he was extremely busy with people and dogs that don't pester him doesn't matter but you know if there are dogs coming up to him running up to him jumping at him and stuff like he just wouldn't like that and yeah. but he will never and i think for example if you if you get a shepherd with an idea that you want to take it to busy places you want them to be the social you know butterfly and you want them to go on you know those kind of interactions all the time you're not getting the right breed because yeah. they're not a lot of them just are not going to enjoy it yeah so just going back to like what you were saying about correct socialization i mean in holland how how is it done differently i mean obviously it sounds like you have a lot more people that are kind of respectful in general and their dogs are like oh there's another dog called there's a puppy hi that's great mm. Whereas I do think there is a lot of, there's a lot of expectation here that puppies should play, mm -hmm. play with other puppies, puppies should play with all dogs. And you're like, this this is not, I mean, is it different in Holland? Are people kind of... Not necessarily. I mean, there's a lot of good schools. And of course, it's not like, you know, everyone is is always in there with the, the best trainers. But in general, like one thing is dogs are luxury. They're not, they're not a right of everyone to have. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have money or time, you're not going to get a dog as simple as that. So most people that listen, like in Amsterdam, most people that will have a dog, they will only have a dog if they like work three days a week. And if they if they work more than three days a week for or even if it's just three days a week and then they have a full day at work, they will get a, someone to walk the dog. Like mm -hmm. it's just because you do. The dogs will go to puppy classes, most of them. And it's obviously like six years ago before I moved. So maybe it changed. Um, but another thing is the dogs will be taken everywhere with the person pretty much. So they will be, it's more of like maybe traditional way how we used to expose dogs. Yeah. So um, they will be going as tiny puppies. They're going off lead everywhere. Like they'll be going in a the park. They'll be off lead. And I feel like they do learn because they will meet more maybe stable dogs. Of course, they are unstable dogs in the hall. There are issues. People shout at each other. It happens. But I think overall, as a population, they just kind of be exposed to doing a lot and being always together, well, a lot together with their owners and everything. So they have a chance to to kind of, you know, learn in maybe more appropriate way. Yeah. Um, that, that's what I'm just, at least my theory is. But I do, obviously, you will have different lines in different countries. I had this conversation quite a few times. For example, if I'm thinking from a perspective of my experience in Holland, for me, white Swiss shepherd is a nice active family pet. I'm like, oh, that's a quite stable. And then most people in UK, they hear that like, oh no, they're they're like really unstable. They really, you know, they, there's, they, they have a lot of issues. So obviously they met certain type of dogs. But mm. for me, that breed, I'm like, well, they actually like a quite nice, um, you know, not too high energy. Yeah. Quite, quite okay breed. Uh, but then when I said this a few times here, they were like, no, no, they're like, you know, we don't have that many well-bred ones here. I don't know it because I don't know a single one here. So I don't actually- No, I haven't- <laughs> For one of Brett, I've never seen one in the wild. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen them at a show, right? Yeah, yeah, never, yeah. Like seen one in the wild, like walking down the road. Oh, look, there's one of that. <laughs> you know, like you again. It's another kind of breed that I think, and maybe that's why because maybe they're not, they're not the kind of pet bread lines 
aren't available over here. So people Maybe. are because mm. they, they don't make good pets over here. But also I wonder if maybe just the lifestyle's a bit different because I think this is the other thing that's added to it because people were at home during the pandemic and had time to get dogs. No mm -hmm. one kind of thought, well, hang on a minute, what happens in a year, 18 months when we're all allowed back out in the world again and we're expected to go back to work. And now we have all these dogs that are like, well, hang on, you were with me every day at home while you were on the Zoom and now... Yeah, what now? <laughs> where is everybody? Like, I I think that has added to it, but it's it's just so interesting for me to kind of hear how, just how different the perspective is in countries and just how work is and life is, but also like just how dogs are kind of, the expectations that have got mm. because I feel like, there's lots of humanization um, and also the expectations. I mean, I've just literally on Facebook before I came on um, in a trainer group, a dog from overseas has come over. It arrived at 3 a.m. on Sunday and I had an almost identical situation happen. with um yeah a very similar experience myself with um a client that phoned me and was like oh we're getting this dog from abroad and it arrived at stupid o'clock in the morning and within I mean the dog I worked with it was less than 48 hours and the dog that was online earlier I think it was four days maybe this young adolescent dog they just happened to both be male has been bought from a country over to this country, arrived in a strange place at stupid o'clock in the morning. And then the people have gone, oh, it's not fitting into our life. And you're like, I'm, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like that poor dog's whole world has just been flipped and turned and twisted. And it doesn't know up from down, left to right. And you can't even give it a few, a, realistically a few months, but they're not even willing to give that dog a week Mm -hmm. to go I'm here I'm safe you're my new people now I can start to trust you not even like it's yeah I think that's that's a there's a lot of unfair expectations on dogs I think yeah. like very kind of you know um well this is it this is what you're supposed to be you need to be perfect like that's it and not giving anything anything from you to the dog mm -hmm. um and and I feel like that's kind of what you need to like it needs to be both ways doesn't it that relationship and you need to satisfy their needs and um and just even safety like how many dogs feel unsafe in that environment i think the whole bringing dogs from abroad i, I do have issue with it because i feel like how many i mean when I, I used to work for dogs trust and whenever we had dogs coming into classes if they called that they were from abroad probably about 80 percent after assessment or more were not suitable for classes because they were too stressed too reactive too anxious because they would just round up often street dogs that were happy had their family and throw them into a van. I, I had to, I looked into one of the organizations and like for me, it, it was shocking that they would meet. So you, you choose a dog from a picture. You uh -huh. don't, you, no one comes to your house to check your house or anything, you know, pre-adoption visit. Uh -huh. And then you meet them at services uh -huh. and get your dog there. Uh -huh. that, that's just, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Like, I think just the trip is traumatizing. It's yeah. dog trafficking. Yes, but, but, but there's a company also in, I think, Ireland that you can go on a website and kind of decide what litter, you want a litter of husky crossed with Pomeranian and which ones you want to cross. 
we're not playing. Come on. Sorry, the spring is funny. I need I'm to put it away. Spring oh my moment. goodness, the spring <laughs> has woken up. See, I'm just gonna make a note that it was not the shepherd causing disturbances, it was a spaniel that was causing disturbances. Yeah, she well, she the my stranger spaniel is um is absolutely oh, obsessed with being a shepherd. So I it's no, not no, no, she, a shepherd for once. You know, she's absolutely obsessed with their they they play just the the, the the two females I have, the Springer Spaniel and the Dutch Shepherd, they just play together all the time if let, you know, if I let them. So they just they just love playing rough and tumble. And the Springer is the one that, you know, will just be very into it and growling and barking and like hanging off her. She really likes that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> but it it is really tough, isn't it? Because I understand, I kind of understand why people think that getting a dog from abroad is maybe a good thing to do or maybe you know they feel that they're saving love life but I kind of I I'm very torn about between it and I think I totally agree with you in that those dogs are to to take Kim Brophy's label they are world dogs they are village dogs mm -hmm. they have spent generations and generations living on the streets having a lovely time doing their thing being dogs mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden they're put into a home mm -hmm. in the UK and sometimes it, you know they might go to somewhere where there's a bit more land and it's a bit quieter but those dogs that are landing in the middle of a, a busy city you just go wow how are they meant to you know there's there's one near where um where one of my friends lives and literally the woman lets out the car and then just sits for hours while her dog just does whatever it wants and then eventually it comes back and she puts it back in the car I'm like yeah. I'm, you can't tell me that that dog went I really want to live in the house in the UK no no <laughs> I'm surprised it comes back, but that's why see, that's, it's that, probably just yeah. that's the regular source of food. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's I do feel for those owners though, like a lot of times because I feel like they're being, you know, tricked into. But you know, someone sells them this idea that you're helping the life of the dog and you're helping them, and then you think, oh, the dog's gonna be grateful for me bringing them over here or whatever. And those people are not prepared for the level of the behavioral problems a lot of those dogs will have. Mm -hmm. and they just completely left alone with it because let's be honest the rescue rescue in brackets that will be okay with dropping dog off on a service if someone they've never met before they're not going to care <laughs> what happens yeah. with that dog after they won't and that's the thing because also you know that dog isn't picked up by a transport service and then taken by one person to the end destination Quite often that dog has gone into mm -hmm. four or five vehicles just on that journey. Like, how stressful is that? Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, we, unfortunately, it does happen with people and it's illegal. Yet, yeah. apparently we can do it with dogs and it's fine. And we're, we're again, in that inverted commas, we're rescuing. Mm -hmm. Are we, though? No, no. But also, if you think, I mean, because this is another thing, that this is something I still struggle with, Um uh, in UK, even though being here for six years now, almost six years, is that you're allowed to put down a healthy dog without any issues, behavioral issues. Like for me, it's something like it's it's you know it it's not like that everywhere. So when I found out that you can just like oh yeah the dog's been in a pound for seven days, let's kill it, it's shocking for me. It's still shocking, and I yeah. and I feel like with with the fact that there's so many dogs being put down daily right now because there's so many dogs in rescues. The rescues are full. You know they're doing their best. Yeah then I feel like breeding random dogs 
is, I think, a bit questionable. Unless you really have a long waiting list for those dogs, what are you doing breeding them? Uh, yeah. Because I think we have too many dogs out there right now. And also another one is uh, bringing dogs from abroad when there's so many dogs in need of home. I know that might not be ideal, but it's kind of, it's just why would we add to that population and especially a population of the dogs that probably are not suitable to be here in the first place. So they will end up in the rescue or put down or, you know, causing some problems potentially and be stressed and being stressed. And that's the thing, isn't it, as well, because with a lot of these dogs that we are seeing coming into rescue, they're at that adolescent stage that yeah. it's shit. <laughs> Adolescence is bloody hard work. We know this, you know, as... As trainers, we've both gone, wow, teenage, that was emotional. Mm -hmm. Because it is, you know, regardless if it's a dog or a bitch. Mm -hmm. I, I, please tell me if I'm wrong. I feel that dogs in adolescence are harder than bitches. I feel. I think so, yeah. Thank you. It's not just me going, oh, my God, what the hell was this thing? Um, I've actually said I'm not getting a boy again. I'm not. No, I'm not. I only, uh, yeah, Phoenix is my only male and I only got him because I had two females in the house and I had two big females and I thought, oh, male would be better for the balance. And I did. And I absolutely love him. He's like amazing, absolutely amazing dog. Um, but I I personally prefer female dogs. I I, I, I feel like they, I find them more easygoing, but I know a lot of people say the opposite. I feel like it's such a strong personal preference, isn't it? Yeah. Um, because I've got yeah, just, that will like only have boy dogs and like, oh my God, why are you getting girls? Are you mad? Yes. Like, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. need the girl dogs. The boy dogs are just, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I do. I do prefer. Yeah. I, I prefer female dogs overall. Just somehow it just always works for me um, more. And um, yeah, I, I don't even know why. A friend of mine has like six male dogs, mm -hmm. uh, five of which are entire. Yeah, and it works. And and Phoenix absolutely loves them. He's obsessed with those dogs. They they like have a proper bromance. He's absolutely obsessed with those uh, all those males. Um, but yeah, that works for her. But I yeah, I don't know. I just um, personally, I just yeah, I just find females um, easygoing. <laughs> in the in the kind of your experience in the detection world, is it an even balance of dogs and bitches or no? But that's based on um, not gender of the dog, but human preference okay so a lot of people especially in traditional when you traditionally male people as in you have a lot of males in certain parts of the detection and they would say oh you male dog is better detection dog mm -hmm. so you might have in certain circles you might have more male dogs but no i don't think there is any um i think one thing you might have an issue with male dogs if they're entire you might have obviously problems with if you know even if they have the best work ethics they still might get distracted sometimes by a female and season um but um but you know so there is there is this there's this traditional thing that sometimes male will be better. but same with igp for example some you know people say oh because i know males are bigger so that can understand the presence of a male but then work ethics and everything i, I think i think um not necessary and then with uh, so same with like working dogs detection there's this thing like oh you know if you spay them um you know uh, then they, they won't be as good working dogs which i don't think has any impact at all influence on their work ability if anything with males i think might be easier because you don't have the distraction of the well any you know sex related from, behaviors from having an entire yeah. male yes, yes i've yeah. had to train him to go dude i know there are girls in season round but i need you to focus on yes me yeah now. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and the same with females you don't have the seasons and i feel like 
I went through, and again, this is not from medical perspective or anything like this, but I went through a phase where I was thinking, okay, you know, they say you should like, maybe it's better not to keep the dogs entire, you know, the females as well for the hormones and all of that. And I had a very anxious dog um, and that was a rescue. And uh, and I thought, okay, I'm not going to spay her. I actually got the rescue to agree for me not to spay her. And, and I explained because she was anxious, blah, blah, blah. And I honestly, I think I ended up spaying her because she uh, had this phantom pregnancies that were getting worse. Yeah. So she was about three that I had to say like, okay, even if she gets worse, she was, um, she was fearfully reactive. And uh, and to be fair, I think she got better after spay. I feel like sometimes, and looking at my females as well, I feel like sometimes they don't care about the seasons or everything, but there was usually some kind of storm of hormones around yes. that time and after that time. And I feel like after they're spayed at the right age, of course, I do feel like they're quite stable in terms of, for the rest of their life, they they seem to have just kind of more stable behavior, I would say. But again, this is just my personal opinion. Yeah, and well, this is what it is. Yeah. It's us chatting and yeah. our opinions on stuff. So with the kind of spay and neuter stuff, I mean, I'm very much kind of in the school of thought of, I want to wait till they're at least 18 months. Yes, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Dodge with all of his beautiful brain and hip issue, mm-hmm. keeping his manhood because yeah. that extra testosterone there. But with all of our girls previously it was we waited a season and then it was done and I remember actually Minx suffered really bad she had a first season had a phantom came straight back in started having a phantom again it was like can we just yes yeah get a break not fair on her like yeah we us ladies understand what the hormones are like and no one, no one wants that no no and to be fair i i think with males i would i i tend to be more towards like keeping them entire if mm. because i think a lot of them but this again again cultural difference because in holland you have much more entire males like it's this quite is normal what i was gonna ask is yeah. it kind of is the spare neuter thing kind of as not obligatory but i feel over here it's kind of if you're a response blown you're spaying and neutering mm-hmm. your dog it's yeah, but I that's also changing a little bit because I yeah. even know that like my vet, for example, who used to be very much like that, like now will not necessarily advise male dogs to be done at all. And if people want them done, she would advise the um implant first. That's really interesting. To check I'm, rather than yeah. One of my clients today um was talking to me about one of her boys, and she's like, he's 17 months, and I was like, give him another couple mm-hmm. of months because he's mm-hmm. a very small breed. Um mini dachshund and I was like give them a couple of months and then you know if, if you're going to get them off then yeah like mm-hmm. I feel that especially for a smaller breed that's yes yeah you know and now there's more studies behind the science of when's a more appropriate age I understand it but I'm interested to ask you a question because this is something we've I've kind of spoken with a few trainers about that pet dogs in the UK it used to be and I don't know whether you'll have kind of the same impression of it because you've like not been here forever you've obviously come over five six years ago but I feel that now responsible owners are spaying and neutering you're getting less kind of well I've got a really nice pet dog and I've got a really (laughs) nice pet dog let's put them together to make a really (laughs) nice pet dog rather than let's just breed dogs to make some money Mm. Oh, I mean, I think there was definitely increasing people bringing dogs for money in lockdown. Obviously, because oh, that's you know the, because the prices went crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, this is interesting actually for me because like on two like levels, one a shorter thing. What I find mind-boggling is 
it seems to me that in UK, everyone brings brings their dogs. Everyone has a dog. Like, I need to breed it. Like, I feel like the breeding here of random dogs with random dogs is absolutely on a crazy level, especially like anyone in security has a dog, need to breed them to another dog. Anyone has a spaniel that maybe did a bit of sand work, needs to breed them. It's people in security that I need to bring my dog, but then sell them to pet people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, but you need to breed the dog. So it's, it's, it's so for me, the breeding here of people just randomly breeding dogs is absolutely on a run on a crazy scale. I've never seen anything like this, but it was like that just when I moved here and it really surprised me. And uh, so that's one thing. Uh, and another one, I, but equally, I feel like there's a lot of people, because again, it's about being exposed maybe to different groups yeah. because, um, you know, if you look at your gun dog people, most dogs won't be neutered. Most dogs will be entire, male and female, right? I mean, if you look for IGP dogs, uh, they have to be, as far as I, I might be wrong, but as far as I know, they actually should be entire. Yeah. So, so, so for a lot of actually sport and people working dogs, you would meet a lot of entire dogs, both males and females. So I think it's the pet people that potentially, that are, you know, spaying them more, which is not necessarily the, the worst thing, because again, are they able, because I think it's the balance, like, are they able to control that male dog? Or want you know, or will they unfortunately? Or are they just going to be walking a bitch and seeing them around the woods with no idea of where she is or flee? Because I've had that situation before over here, and I'm like, oh god, yes, yeah. Hi, can you like not randomly make your dog with something that you have no idea what it is? Yeah. And I think that's again, maybe it's a cultural difference, but I like I found it quite interesting. Yeah, it seems like everyone is like yeah, just breeding dogs. Like everyone is a breeder. (laughs) Yeah. The thing is, I can't disagree with you either. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, because actually, you know, I'll hold my hand up and go, I I had a litter of two hours 11 There years. you go. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was 11 years ago and my girl was a very, very sweet girl and she had a lovely temperament and there were only two puppies and I kept one and sold one and the one I kept yeah. is a little genius, so... <laughs> there you go yeah and I never bred from her because she was an evil genius there you go yeah I think the thing is if you are breeding and you take responsibility for the puppies for the rest of their lives yes and you do health testing even if you it doesn't like I mean even if you have a dog that doesn't have papers so fine fair enough if you think your dogs have exceptional temperament and then you do health testing mm-hmm. and you put it in another health tested dog and you sell it to responsible people but also are willing to take the dog back if anything goes wrong fair yeah. enough but again the problem is the people that would for example breed security dogs and sell them to pet owners or breed completely bully excel i mean that's 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 like one big problem isn't it with, with that's a whole with, can of worms yeah <laughs> it is isn't it yeah <laughs> like how yeah how many excel bullies are we hearing about every single day that need rehoming or in rescue but also the prices of the puppies like three yeah. four thousand pounds yeah and I'm yeah, like, easy. yeah. Again, that's I, the first question. You know, has there been any health tests on this? No, obviously not, because I mean, those dogs are in continuous pain. Probably looking at the confirmation, you know, looking at their. But interestingly, I had this this lady coming to class before that had a an English bulldog that was so unwell. The dog had to be carried in and out of the class and couldn't walk. It was a young dog, right? But it was so unwell, and she insisted, and she insisted that the dog was checked and has a full like bill of health from a. Uh, English bulldog fat. So someone's obviously making a lot of money <laughs> telling those people, oh, your dog has a I mean, health certificate because they're a, a spe- specializes, they specialize in English bulldogs. I mean, first of all, I'm going to say bullshit. Second, <laughs> yeah. for the listeners, like as Kat was saying that sentence, my jaw was just dropping lower and lower. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, what? That's yeah. not even, because we no. know that 
a very large percentage, if not all, bulldogs have hip dysplasia. Yeah, I mean, but anything they can bring, like they're they really like badly put together in a way. So I feel like, I think unfortunately with a lot of them, even though this is an extreme maybe thing to say, with a lot of them probably being alive is a welfare issue. Because mm -hmm. a lot of those dogs will be the same for pugs and, you know, those breeds, they will be in continuous discomfort and pain. What kind of life is that, you know, if your dog is struggling to just uh, be alive? I totally agree. So kind of then com making that comparison, like, because I know that I believe it's Norway has banned Cavalier King mm -hmm. Charles Spaniel. Holland as well. Yeah, Holland as oh, well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the thing, like, our, you know, our government is trying and they are trying to change the laws and, you know, we're bringing in things to cropping and docking is illegal anyway, but we're trying to stop the import of those dogs happening mm. as well. But when it comes to the breeding of, like, the bracky breeds and, like, these dogs that have these health issues, the fact that there are countries like Norway, like Holland, that are going, this, this is not allowed yeah. to happen... I think that must have an impact as well on what the dogs are being bred because your government has made a law that said it shouldn't happen because it's a welfare issue. Yeah, but I feel like, um, again, it will depend on the country because in UK, the dogs are still getting cropped and docked. Even though it's legal. And sold as dogs from Europe. So, uh, you know, you it happens. It happens, you know, all the time. Yeah. So even though it's illegal, you still have pit bulls coming in the UK. And again, I'm not saying that I'm pro like the breed specific legislation. Absolutely not. Yeah, but no, on... none of us like BSL. No, it's no. Shit, and no one agrees. Yeah. With it. yeah, but on paper it's illegal, but those dogs are still being brought in. So, so all of those things like, and that, that's kind of when you look at like. So I do, I think I would like to see what happens in Holland because I kind of feel like I don't. I personally don't think breeding bulldogs that are very deformed or any breed that is very deformed. It's ethical, personally. That's my personal opinion. So it would be interesting to see what happens there. Maybe that would help with them, you know, getting longer noses or something like that. Because I know I think there are people like in Germany trying to get French bulldogs with like more healthy, healthy yeah. look. So so that might be a good direction. Um, but I think often like just the and I'm not saying I don't think like you know we should I don't that I think we should crop and dog dogs though I both of my spaniels are docked <laughs> because they spaniels so yeah they're legally docked but you could also argue it's still docking dog isn't it they yeah, don't yeah. need all of their tail because they're no. just getting trapped and ripped and it's going to be injured yeah but then a lot of people argue that potentially you know still have nerve endings on their tail you know so it's kind of like it's there's a lot of I don't think there's a lot of things are grey aren't they like so you could argue from both sides if that makes sense. So, but I just feel like it's important to also think about the fact that very often if you ban something or make something illegal, it still will happen, but it's going to be underground. So yeah. again, I'm not saying we should allow the cropping and docking of the dogs, but people need to be also aware that it's still going on. Just like you have fox hunting that I'm sure is still going on or badger hunting, biting with dogs or whatever, you know, those things, they didn't disappear just because they became illegal. Yeah. And also, you know, you need people that are going to be able to police it. And unfortunately, it's not always policeable. You know, you have charities that try and do things, but they've only got so much funding. And how can you prove that a breeder has illegally, and I'm going to use cropped as the example because, <laughs> I, and again, it's certain types of dogs, you know, <laughs> It's, it's your bull breeds and also unfortunately your dobermans like yes yeah over here there's not really a fashion for great danes being cropped with no. cool because you know that seems to be more american but i think again it's where that social media kind of circus has happened that a lot of stuff is americanized 
mm-hmm. and people are seeing it as normal and, they, and then you get that whole oh well my dog's been imported mm-hmm. has it but this yeah exactly can you prove it can you not like you know maybe yeah yeah it's yeah tough. yeah but as the thing and equally and this is kind of like completely going on like being a plain do- uh, devil's advocate in a way maybe or maybe kind of picking it too much because sometimes you can you know you might have an owner who has bought because i actually know a person who has a dog with cropped ears mm-hmm. um who you know you could see and think oh you know um if someone questioned it like oh was the dog did you really bring it from abroad or whatever but equally i think as far as i know i think that dog is quite an okay like you know, isn't they? They're they're being quite. You know, they're being treated well. They they yeah. take care of. They have a good life. So then, would taking that dog away, for example, putting in a rescue, yeah. would that be in the best interest of that dog? So, I, what I think, like, you will have obviously owners that maybe not. You know, they're not like backyard cropping their own dogs, but got sold a dog and maybe were not even. Probably everyone is aware that's illegal. But you know what I mean? Like people get. You know, they but might not necessarily be a bad person, people, but yeah. But people like a look. Yes, yeah. That that's it. You know, you and me have both admitted on this podcast tonight that we like the shepherd look with yes, the, yeah. the long nose. Yeah. That's the dogs we like. Um yeah. you know, would would I have I don't know, a basset hound? No, no. I wouldn't. <laughs> no way. Because they're not as whereas, you know, no. there's people that think beagles are like the most adorable thing in the world. Yes, yeah. Like they've got really nice ears, but mm-hmm. then they're just not my bag. So as people, we have the aesthetics of the dogs. Mm-hmm. We like. Unfortunately, the bull breeds, the aesthetic has been mutilated by humans and people have gone, that looks nice, I like that. Yeah. And it's where us humans are just selfish, really. But it's similar to where we go, well, I like a, a dog without a face as well. You know, it's 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 not maybe like, or it's not surgical. a very long back and yes. legs, yeah. Even even though that dog is physically struggling potentially, you know, like I know there are daxies that are healthy and fit, but also there are a lot of daxies, especially if they're overbred for being merle and too small, that might, well, they will struggle with their back and everything. So, and for some reason we do like extremes as humans. Yeah. Not natural lookness and, and you know, because Beagle, looks different than a shepherd but they both still look pretty you know they still have that kind of dog aesthetic yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) if you saw the silhouette you'd be like that's a dog whereas like you see the silhouette of i'm gonna pick on the frenchies for a minute Mm. you see the silhouette of a show line frenchie it doesn't look like a dog no, not necessary. No, and then, but that's the thing. Like you know, if it was just the side was... profile is so rounded. Yes, yeah, it's not there. You can't go. Oh, if anything, you'd be like, "Is that a weird cat?" Or yeah, like... <laughs> and then even cats shouldn't be that smushy. You know, I don't like the no, no, that are that extreme and stuff. But then again, you know, there are people that do different. I mean, I have tattoos, and there are other people that are like, "Oh my god, you've drawn on your body. What are you doing?" Yeah, yeah, no, of course, yeah. So that's the thing. I feel like it's it's. Same with, yeah, as you said, types of dogs. And I think that's why it's nice that, you know, people like different types of dogs. And, and like, I can, I have, I love working with very different types of dogs. Like, I really like, because I feel like it's a nice challenge to have a dog come in that doesn't, it's, you don't, you cannot use just, it's not a box standard spaniel that just craves about tennis ball, but you have to look into, uh, look into different things, how you to motivate them, how to make them tick and all those things. Love that. But personally, personally, for my everyday life, I doubt I would go for out of that shepherd's maybe a Mali, and cocker spaniel i do, I doubt i'm going to go to any other breeds personally in, for the rest of my life i kind of feel like i'm set 
Yeah. Because you've, you've made your choices, yeah. those are your boxes, you're staying with yeah. those. I get yeah. that. Yeah. That. And, and some people equally they like to try different breeds and they often go from like one breed to another and they have different you know they really like a, a mixture of breeds and you know yeah. that's also just a preference isn't it i mean there are people that have terriers their whole lives yes yeah <laughs> and you go i'm so why <laughs> I'm joking, yeah, yeah, I had one. but again i had one and would i have another one Pro probably not because no. yeah it's it's a whole different lifestyle Yes, it is. Exactly. And you don't mind like, I mean, I feel like probably, if, you know, if, if I had a terrier, I probably would try to get it somewhere to kill rats, even yeah. though like, I really like rats. I think they're lovely. Or even but... barn hunt as a sport, you know, you yes, yeah. give them an outlet that's appropriate for what yeah. they need. Exactly. Do. Breed specific, you know, outlet to, yes. to get them to do something that is as close as possible to what they were bred for. Um, that Yeah, definitely. And I feel like if if you have any specific breed or type of a dog you need to find you need to try to satisfy the needs they have based on what type they are you know yeah. they don't have to be dog with papers but you know you of course you have individual differences but it is important to you know address and meet those needs yeah massively so we've just quickly touched on like the scent work stuff you do so mm -hmm. obviously you have your operational stuff where mm -hmm. you're where you're looking for the not and stuff but you also teach like pet scent work, competition scent work, yeah. what do you do on that side of things? So I do, uh, I tend to mainly it's workshops usually because that's kind of how it started and then exploded and I do them all the time now. Um, so I tend to teach uh, workshops either myself or for other trainers. So I would be just invited to their like school or something and teach for them. Um, and uh, and that's why I travel quite a lot because of it. And then I always, um, everyone is welcome, if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. I don't tend to have like a certain level of workshop. I tend to kind of, if it doesn't matter what level you're at, we're going to make sure that it works for you. Yeah. Because I think this allows people to kind of, see different abilities you know mix a little bit have a conversation and stuff and yeah so we can wear anyone from like we have pet dogs there's a lot of dogs that do like send work uk or send offs or um nna trials so so because there's there's few different competitions in uk mm -hmm. uh, so we dogs are competing in that coming or people that just do it for fun uh, we have some dogs that are actually working so yeah so it just really depends uh but anyone is welcome who does want to do send work pretty much yeah and I think that's one of the joys, isn't it? Um, sort of this is where I always draw the parallel of scent work and hoopers mm -hmm. that literally any breed can be doing this. Yes. Either just for fun or as a sport, you know. I mean, I did a lot of scent work stuff with Dodge when he was younger, especially like a puppy, and I was sort of being a bit more mindful of how much physical mm -hmm. stuff he was doing. And actually scent work for him was a really, really cool outlet. And I mean, now I love a bit of tracking mm -hmm. with him. Yeah. And that's an idea. It's very natural for shepherds to track as well, isn't it? It's just something they're kind of made for. Yeah, it's that outlet for them. But also, I understand that some people find tracking really boring. <laughs> I mean, Dodge is now at the stage, if I'm being honest, he's kind of doing that tracking trailing. Mm -hmm. He's sort of is dipping between both. And that's fine for me because I'm not competing him. But if I had to choose between tracking and trailing, I'd prefer he did tracking mm -hmm. as such. But I think. Like for us, it's been hoopers, like doing the tracking and scent work. But then when, again, saying the type of dog I've got and the outlets that need, those are appropriate outlets for him with that brick. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think scent work is pretty much appropriate for all breeds, isn't it? 
It can be, yeah, yeah, definitely, because you're using the natural ability of, you know, dogs use their nose to find things they 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 find important. So it is a quite natural. And you can kind of tap in into those uh, behaviors. Um, it's a prop. You can make it appropriate for dogs that, uh, you know, have health issues as well. But you need this is something. Unfortunately, I I think it's important not to just make a blank statement and say, oh, for any dog, because you know I've met dogs that, for example, had a back problem, and owners were quite happy for the dogs to jump up for heights and the dogs would switch off and it wasn't training issue it was pain issue so i think it's important that you need to work to your dog's ability so i feel like now it's more and more trainers that will not necessarily allow dogs that have serious pain issues mm-hmm. unless this is really like addressed and and worked towards to make sure the dog is comfortable because that's something you know to keep in mind as well but um and i think it's really good for dogs that have uh, aggression or reactivity issues so like well, my workshops we um we allow those dogs to come in so I would have not even as I, I did um I did like I think two special workshops for reactive dogs just to make them feel welcome so they don't have to worry that their dog barked at someone or there's always one dog working at the time there's no more but we you know we kind of made sure that everyone in the group felt really supported in that way because yeah. I feel like people with reactive dogs uh, or dogs with problems often don't feel like they can just do something for fun with their dog and it's always just working on the issue working on an issue. So I wanted them to be able to come and just have fun. We're not going to work on your issue. We're just going to make sure that you and your dog have really good time together so your relationship is better. And uh, But now, uh, I just, people, if they have a reactive dog or aggressive dog, they can come as long as we can make it safe for everyone. Mm-hmm. So there have been times when I was the only one in the room. In the past, I was there was a Rottweiler where no one was in the room and I was instructing the owner through like this kitchen door thing, you know, when you have like open one and yeah, that works. Like the half yeah. door, yep. Yeah. So as long as long as we can make it safe for everyone, um, then I'm happy to have those dogs in because I feel like, you know, this this can be very beneficial for them. This is great for confidence building and like feeling of agency. Um and and also I think if you if you're working with a dog um with, with a person is struggling with everyday life, if they can like their dog a little bit more that's going to make it so much easier in that relationship. And there would be like, there's at least something they can like about the dog. And I feel like, you know, we need to be open about the fact that if you have a very difficult dog, sometimes you might not like it <laughs> or you might not like each other, right? It happens. But I think it's important to kind of not alienate those people, but I just say, listen, let me let me help you kind of enjoy your time with your dog, mm-hmm. um, you know, in some situations. And as an owner whose dog is either fabulous or feral and <laughs> has been called all the names under the sun at one point <laughs> in his existence, um, thank you for including all of the because it is really tough you know it is hard having that dog that people are like oh my oh god oh wow you know it's and it is difficult and I can remember you know being Dodge has made me cry so many times (laughs) I'm not even gonna lie because there's just been days where I'm like you're an ass, and we are not friends today. Yeah, like, I love you to bits, but today I do not like you. Yeah, yeah. And actually, yeah, things like the scent work, I think it's why I did so much with him during that adolescent phase, mm. because it was a good way of giving us both an outlet to mm. work as a team with in a controlled environment where he couldn't be a dick because... Mm-hmm. And actually, we found that the more he was doing the scent work, we could kind of, there could be dogs just over there waiting yeah. rather than all the dogs away. And there could yeah. be people kind of just, and obviously with him, movement was a big part of it because yeah. we shepherds. Um, but if people were just kind of stood still chatting, he would happily do a search while people were over there. Whereas week one, it was literally all the people in the cars, all the dogs in the cars, everyone away. Yes, yeah. Good confidence booster for the dog and handler as well, isn't it? 
Yes, absolutely. No, I think so. And and I, I think another, even if the dog is not reactive or anything, but maybe adolescent or people have no control over it. Again, it's a quite nice, inclusive environment because I don't care if your dog has a recall, if they jump on me, if they won't give the toy back because we can sort that really quickly or they just like, you know, will jump on the tables or whatever. We can work with all of that, you know? So so I feel like it can give, because going, often going to like obedience classes, people have certain expectations. My dog has to behave. You have to go to those classes and stuff. Most people that come to Sandwood, they, they come for fun. So in that your criteria yeah. is dog finds article. Yeah, yeah. It's not dog walks perfectly on a loose. No, seat. no, no. Dog doesn't jump up. And actually, there are times you want the dog to put their paws on things mm-hmm. and search up if if it's yeah. a high thing, or maybe put their head under something to find something. I think that yeah, as you say, like kind of obedience classes straight away. The word obedience, you've got this picture in your head of the dog on your side and sitting perfectly and looking up at you and not pulling. Whereas scent work, it's it's just you having fun, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and of course, I mean, I, I think there is a difference between obviously like working, you know, in, in scent detection and doing fun with the dogs, because there is always element when you do work with the dogs so that it's not always fun. As in, you know, you get to the point where you have to just, you know, we, you need to do the job. You both, you and the dogs, you know, it might yeah. be raining, it might be cold, it might be long day or whatever it happens. Um. But but still the whole like um you know the whole background of that still comes from a motivation motivation and having fun. And that's why I think it's so popular now. Yeah. And it's not necessarily a bad thing to be popular because to be honest, most of the time, even if you even if you even if you go to instructor that doesn't really know how to train uh, necessary detection, uh, you're probably still gonna have fun and there, yeah. you're not gonna probably have like there won't be probably that so many risks. Um because like equally if you compare of going to someone who doesn't know how to teach agility. There could be quite a lot of health risks in in yes. that or stuff like that. But with this, you you kind of yeah, you kind of probably going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. Definitely. So, cat for people that are kind of listening to podcasts and going, wow, I want to know more. Um, where can they find you? It mainly so I do. I don't have a website. Um, I I don't have a website. I do have a Facebook page mm-hmm. uh, that it's called Can I Behavior Consultancy. That's where kind of all the training. Uh, happens and most people that want to find me they just message me on there yeah and and get in touch like that um you can also find me on apdt register i think um still and um i don't yeah i assume so yeah i I was there but facebook is the good place yeah facebook's probably the easiest yeah the easiest place and then um yeah so that'll be the probably the easiest way to connect if someone was interested and uh, and that's where i'll post about all the workshops i'm doing in in different parts of the country cool because i tend to kind of travel all over (laughs) which is great because that means more people can train with you so that's (laughs) good so guys until the next time um you can follow me on the social medias um instagram facebook tiktok at canine hoopers world if you want to follow dodge it's at dodge shepherd if you want to follow minx at minx chihuahua and until next time stay safe be kind, wash your hands thoroughly, keep your dogs on lead around livestock and don't let them lick toads. Take care, guys. Bye. Guys, I just wanted to ask you a real quick favour. If you could rate, review and subscribe to the podcast, it's going to help other people find me and listen to what I'm doing here at Canine Hoopers World. We're now on all the socials. So we have 
the Instagram, we have the Facebook, and we are officially on the TikTok at Canine Hoops World. And remember to check out our website, www.caninehoopsworld.com, where you can find out information on in-person courses, online courses, and if you're doing hoopers with your dog, you can also join in with our online achievement awards. These are open to any person, any dog, anywhere in the world to come and test your skills and get yourself a cool ribbon.